Live from the fish tank, we are back with another episode of the DSAC Fantasy Podcast, and we have a guest today. It's been a minute, but we finally have a uh, another episode with a guest. We'll have Mike on with us. We have uh, plenty to talk about since the last time he was on, including a new football team, uh, basketball, and then some baseball trades, but I think since it's been so long since we've had a guest... Uh, Y'all don't want to listen to me talk, so let's get right into that. All right, we are back here with our uh, first episode in a little bit, having a guest, but we're uh, welcoming Mike back on with the uh, addition of a new football team taking over for Whams. Uh, We've made a few uh, pretty substantial baseball trades that I feel will be good to get into here just uh, a week after uh, we did the prospect ranks and then uh, recent basketball. Uh, results that currently, as of this recording, uh, has Mike ahead of me in the standings. So, hmm. welcome back. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you not being bitter, and uh, see where uh, where these next two matchups go. But I appreciate uh, you having me on, even though I just overtook you in the standings in basketball. So, well, we do have two weeks, but don't worry. Uh, I I am capable of being quite bitter over the smallest of things. So. <laughs> If, if these two weeks end up going poorly for me, you will, you'll be initiated. Yeah. And I guess I you know, might as well start there. I mean, that's what, what's, that's what you went to first. So I'll uh, pull up said basketball team. I don't think you've really made many. You haven't made a trade, have you? I made one trade. I traded away. Um, Devin Vassell for Mitchell Robinson. Oh, right, yeah. Um, who is now injured or was injured. He was he like sprained his ankle a week or two ago, I think. But uh, he's back. But my other center's out, Jared Allen. That's yeah, right. he's going to be missing a little, a little bit of time, correct? Yeah. Fractured finger? Yeah, he, uh, he fractured his finger the other night. So mm-hmm. we, have, um, we have some depth at big now with with Robinson so that trade was actually came in the clutch but yeah other than that it's it's looking pretty thin on the front court yeah I mean I don't know if this will have a direct impact on how the standings squeak out here but uh I also have uh lost uh centers uh Isaiah Stewart with a bone bruise last night for at least a week and then uh obviously uh Yusuf Nurkic uh Casually was playing over 30 minutes a night, and then we come out of the all-star break like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, plantar fasciitis out for four to six weeks. I, yeah, I that can be stubborn. I don't know what happened uh, in the midst between a game on 216 and their first game back on 224 that he developed plantar fasciitis by not playing basketball. but By just doing nothing. I guess so. Yeah. So. Oh, well, I guess I uh... – I would have more depth at center if I uh, still had Joel Embiid. That would be nice. Yeah. But I looked. I looked through the trade history. I wouldn't have SGA because Dylan Dylan traded away Embiid for Sangoon and some picks, and then traded away Sangoon for SGA. So could have been worse, I guess. Not, yeah. 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 I mean, it, that happens. Pretty much anyone who has uh, taken over a team has had those. Uh, those thoughts. I would I would hate to see 
the reaction of whoever would take over my football team. If that were to happen, I don't think it ever will. But to look back, like, really? This guy gave up Justin Jefferson and Justin Fields for uh, Robert Woods? Oh, I'm sorry, he gave up yeah. he gave up Joe Mixon, Keenan Allen, and Jamar Chase for Dalvin Cook? Really? Yeah, um, that's a lot. But, you know, you've got the best running backs in the league, so at least for now. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to that at some point. That'll be one of the uh, position groups I uh, I rank as I did the quarterbacks uh, a little while ago, only, if only to give myself some something to be happy about. But I don't really want to make this too much about me. It's already been a lot of, of walleye talk for a podcast featuring a guest. So, yeah, how are we feeling about the, the basketball team now, uh, being down 7-1-1 to Barry uh, notwithstanding? Well, it's uh, it's going to be a long week, that's for sure. This week, I think, is going to help determine if I'm uh, what Bill Simmons would call the good-bad team or the bad-good team because I'm now 4-0 or 4-2 since taking over for Dylan. Um, and my four victories have, I think I'm 4-2. Either way, the two teams I've lost to are either in the playoffs or in contention for the playoffs. And then I've beaten Nathan, Nutt, Paolo. Like I've, I've, that's kind of what's helped me climb up the standings. Um, so we'll see what happens this week against the you know, number two, number three team in the league. Yeah, that'll be a, a really strong uh, measuring stick for you for sure. Uh, I, I appreciate you uh, at least calling me in contention, which is, to be fair, is accurate. <laughs> but you could have just straight up said, not in the playoffs. And that makes me feel a little That's bit true. Better. Yeah. It's very close. I mean, you're ahead of Ping right now. I don't know. I, I, I just looked. I didn't realize I was down 7-1. I was down 5-4 going into today. But yeah. that happens. He's just got a lot of depth. Yeah, that'll usually happen with, with me. Uh, God, here we go again. But that'll usually happen with me, too, with how many West Coast players I have. Uh, like, the earlier games can sometimes be like, oh, well, this is not looking too great. And then, like, oh, wait, no, half my team is on the Warriors. So just wait yeah. till 10 p.m. and, and <laughs> things will bounce out. <laughs> I've been used to that in baseball in our other league because I had – I just traded them away this, this past year. But I've had um, Mike Trout and Mookie Betts the last – couple of years and they're on the west coast so go go to sleep and wake up and wake up to like three home runs i'm like okay that's what happens when i go to sleep at 9 30. yeah that's all the good stuff <laughs> for sure uh you mentioned uh sga sga rather off the top and uh, he's been pretty good looks like over the last his last seven days 31.7 points 6.3 boards 6.7 assists in total of three stocks that's really good yeah yeah I, I was um i was nervous when he was out with the ankle injury before the all-star break but my team stayed afloat and hopefully he can put up some numbers tonight against against the bucks not off to a great start but we're only a couple minutes in so actually he is off to a good start he's got three points three assists in, in three minutes so yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna say that's, <laughs> he, he's on, he's on pace for like a, a thirty five point thirty five yeah, assist uh, like that. tonight. I see you called up Kaminga. Is this the first time you've called up Kaminga? I have. Yeah, I called him up at end of last week. I think it was just because 
he was playing and I needed chances at some um, some blocks and some rebounds. I think it was against Nutt hmm. um, where I called him up and then I had to call up um, Okongwu yeah. because of the injury to Jared Allen. So he had, he's been disappointing right now, but Kaminga's um, well, been, been good with um, Draymond Green out and Warriors not not playing a lot of their starters. They're resting the other guys the other night, so he's been uh, he's been filling in some holes. Yeah, I think it, I was looking a second ago, and I think since the start of February, Kaminga's played under twenty minutes only twice. Yeah, so you definitely have that going for you. And I will say though that I was reading on the Athletic earlier uh, with the Pistons playing the Hawks last night. The the beat writers of the two teams kind of did a. Uh, a combined story afterwards where they were like talking during the game about what they were seeing, you know, Kongu did come up and I guess the Hawks are still like really, really high on him. So, I, yeah. I think he's going to be good. He's just, he's in a reserve role right now and he hasn't done much in that. And I think it would take an injury for, uh, for him to get more minutes right now. Yeah. Yeah. Clint Capella and John Collins being established yeah. on a team that's trying to make the playoffs is probably going to cap that a little bit, but Maybe as soon as next season, you know, you could see, yeah, see something because I could see Collins being moved if Atlanta gets a little frustrated with their current team and if they're not able to achieve their goals. Yeah, well, they've been disappointing this year after last year. Like, I think they'd be in the playing tournament right now, yeah. where they're like in contention for that. When they were they were top top four seed last year, I think. I remember they played the Sixers. And Okongu actually had a really good series against them. So that's why I've been kind of high on because I watched him a lot in the playoffs. But, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Hopefully he can uh, at least put up some rebounds when he's in. Yeah, he should be able Filling to. For yeah. Allen. Should be able to do at least that. Um, oh, it looks like Trey Lyles is still doing halfway decent since his trade. I haven't really kept tabs on him. I, I liked him when he was on the Pistons. I had him when he was on the Pistons before he got traded, and then I dropped him when all of my guys at the deadline got traded to the Kings. He was one of the guys that I dropped. Yeah. Um, and now in an act of desperation, I just picked him up again. Now I have too many Knicks. That's the problem. I have too many Knicks on my roster. Yeah, you I picked up. I picked up Alec Burks because he's been starting a point guard for them with Kemba out. Um, trading for Mitchell Robinson. And then Cam Reddish is just too expensive to, to cut right now. So just riding with him. I still think he's going to be okay. Just uh, kind of wasting away on the Knicks right now. Yeah, the Knicks, at least this year especially, are not a team I would uh, recommend um, yeah. loading up on. At least with some of the other bad teams, you can kind of get like decent, pro- like empty production. But with the yeah. Knicks, I've. I don't know if it's still the same, but like I know if like the first half of the year, the Knicks starters and their plus minus was like abhorrent, yet the bench would kind of come in and, and have better plus minus numbers. But like that starting group together was like really negative. But you don't have Julius Randle, and that seems to be the big issue with them. Yeah. Do you buy into the theory that the Knicks are trading for all former Duke players to lure Zion there? I can't say I've heard that, but. No. <laughs> I they they traded for Reddish at the deadline and everybody's like, well, Reddish and R.J. Barrett. No. Is it, would there be a worse situation for Zion 
than one of the probably the top five biggest media markets, a rabid fan base, a man who's currently injured and probably a bit too heavy for his position, and then Tom Thibodeau coaching. <laughs> Just run him into the ground. I feel yeah, that's got to be like the worst possible place he could go yeah. at this moment. Yeah. But. Yeah, and I guess we will have to to see how it goes. I mean, there's definitely some some reasons to be excited, even if for the short term here. Uh, I guess you hope uh, Van Bleek comes back soon. Yes, that's been that's been tough too. Losing him, losing Allen, um, Brooke Lopez still dealing with this thing. Justice Winslow was was good too before he got hurt for Portland. Um, picked him up. I've, I've always liked him, even when he was at Duke. I've always liked him, his game. Um, quick update on SGA. He's at nine points, four assists halfway through the first quarter. So. Okay. Not bad. No. Yeah. So, surprised to hear you uh, speak glowingly about a Duke player, though. Yeah, and uh, a guy that won a title for them, too. That, that kind of shocked me, too, when that came out of my mouth. But he's, uh, I don't know. He's like a big lefty point guard, which is what I was in high school. So maybe I see. I don't know. But he, he's not a point guard. Yeah. But he plays like a point guard, which is what I was because I was the only one on my team that could dribble in high school. So. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, uh, you are a a better fantasy player than I in that regard. Because like the one big college rivalry, obviously me being a, a Michigan fan, would be Ohio State in football. And I will absolutely refuse to roster Ohio State players. <laughs> Like, I'm kind of I'm I'm more that way in um, in football. Like I don't take anybody in the NFC East, even Eagles players. Like right. I just like being able to watch NFC East games and not having any um, like any fantasy implications. In that and maybe it's just because I haven't really done as much fantasy basketball before, or we'll see what happens this off season. But it hasn't been a huge deterrent having some Duke guys on the roster. It's fair. Like Gary Trent, like Gary Trent, I I was in love with him in Jan- in January. Like he was on fire. He's he's cooled off since, but he's a he's a fun one too up in Toronto. Yeah, uh, random Duke player who I never knew went to Duke. Frank Jackson. I yeah don't remember that at all. Maybe maybe it's because I don't really follow college basketball all that much outside the Big Ten between the months of like November and February. But like I, I didn't, I had no clue he wanted to do until like this year. He'd already been in the Pistons like a whole year, and I had no idea he was a, a, a Duke alum. <laughs> you're like rooting for him, and then you realize that you're like, ooh, I don't. I mean, I don't like I don't Duke, but I don't like really, that. I don't really have animosity against them once they turn pro, except like Grayson Allen. True. I mean, once you're wearing a pro uniform and you're not wearing the the dark blue and white again, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, that's. That's um that's kind of how I felt when JJ was on the Sixers. Like <laughs> I I enjoyed I, I didn't like him when he first came out of college because like that was still on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the further away he got from Duke, um, and the closer he got to Philly, I guess I don't know. The the more I seemed to like him. What a what a weird uh, career path. I don't know if I say career path, but you want to talk about one of the more hyped up duos in college basketball that collectively didn't really do a whole lot. Him and Adam Morrison. 
Yeah. Dead. I, I, I know Adam they were Morrison drafted by the Bobcats. Yeah. And one of the all time worst mustaches in sports. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess lastly here with basketball, while we're on the topic, just how excited are you still about uh, Saturday night's basketball game? Oh, man. I've listened to so many podcasts about it. <laughs> and my uh, part of my dad's side of the family is Duke fans. So it's, it's really funny. My dad is a twin. So my dad raised me as a UNC fan. My dad's twin brother raised his family as Duke fans. And uh, we saw them this past weekend on Saturday. And uh, they were talking all their stuff like before the game. And then as it was happening, I was like just reveling in it. It was so fun. That was like that was up there with like the Gonzaga National Championship or like Michigan State back in the mid two thousands. Like a that was it wasn't I wouldn't say it was quite like winning a title, but it was pretty close. Yeah, that's got to be satisfying. Unranked yeah. against your arch rival, ranked number four. They're maybe the most famous coach in college basketball, if not the second most famous coach in college basketball. Having his final home game and you walk in and just ruin the party. It's great. Like, and honestly, like the best part—not even just like the when when the clock hit zeros and the game's over—it was like afterwards. Like they didn't even consider the possibility when they set up that like after the game speech that he had to give. They didn't even consider the possibility of him of them losing. And then he came out and it was like a funeral. <laughs> it was just like yeah. so good. I just imagine paying thousands of dollars for tickets, camping out the night prior before you get in and then it's that yeah. like i don't know the uh the the asshole in me finds that kind of funny it was um yeah it was a good night and uh i mean even that you know i think that was that was easily unc's best win this year um like it doesn't even matter what they do in the tournament now to me like I'm good on this year like if they if they make the Sweet Sixteen, that would be surprising, but you always have this season to look back on and be like, that was the that was the year Hubert Davis beat Coach K in his last home game, and uh, hopefully the first of of many Hubert Davis wins. For your sake, hopefully, that is so long as yeah. they're not playing Michigan. Um, yeah. But <laughs> on this last basketball note here, for the standings, the whole point of a good part of that conversation, currently. Uh, the, the real race here is between fifth and eighth place, I would say. Uh, fifth place is Murph currently, who is 29 games back. Uh, you are a game and a half back of Murph at 30 and a half games back in the final playoff spot. I am two and a half games back of you, 33 games back. Then there is Nut, who is 35 and a half games back. But uh, should be a, an interesting race here. Obviously, as I mentioned, myself having two, uh, two of the easier matchups left compared especially compared to both you and murph but yeah my my hope is that i keep it close with barry this week you know if 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 i have to lose i'd rather lose like five four six to three because then i get keith next week who is actively tanking uh, but who won last week anyways he did he did he kept it close with barry which is discouraging for me <laughs> <laughs> don't like that but we'll uh see what happens yeah i i don't think i would be surprised if any three combinations between yourself, Murph, and me, any of those combinations can make the playoffs, and I would probably say 
Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Maybe throw in Nut, too, although, as Alex said, he is a bit further out. Yeah, I like that recap that he did. That was helpful. Yeah, I, I plan on, as you're listening to this, you'll probably, I think this, I think that's going to be after this, but I do plan on kind of recapping that to, to amplify Alex's voice for those who have already forgotten it. But, yeah. All right, and also... Uh, since the last time you were on, you have a new football team. So you took over for Whams, who had been um, incredibly inactive, did not make a single uh, roster move all year, outside of calling up Javante Williams. But how? what are your thoughts on, on this team here? Well, I like the running back situation. I like the receivers. Um, quarterbacks, kind of boring. Two, two good enough quarterbacks that I feel like I can't cut, let go, trade um, unless I got another position in return. Um, but I get Tom Brady's salary cap space back, so that might help. Um, and, and Mason Rudolph might be my third quarterback, which is a better quarterback situation overall than the, the team I just left, but still not ideal. Oof. Throwing out some shots there. <laughs> How how did I how did I rank them? Did I have you above Nathan or below Nathan? Do you remember? I don't I don't remember. I would I honestly I would take. Well, I guess it's super flex, so it might it might be different. But I, I like having a, a top five quarterback. So having Herbert was was nice, but having the the startable you know can get you twenty points in a given week. Quarterback is your super flex. That's that's valuable too. Wouldn't but there could be feeling. weeks that Herbert outscores both of them combined, so that's the yeah. that's the downside. Yeah, that's for now. You, I I focus more on on Baker because that's who Nathan talks about the most. But yeah, Herbert. I would imagine I probably had him above you if he has Herbert. Yeah, yeah, he does. There is a, there is a lot to like there though. I mean, I'm personally not as high on the receivers. I really do like Mike Evans, but Marvin Jones is kind of. Hmm. Also, Chris is really slacking here that he has Marvin Jones on Detroit still on the spreadsheets here. <laughs> that was, yeah, I think he played all year in Jacksonville, didn't he? Yeah. Sounds about right for he, Chris. Um, I, I, this was, you know, I don't want to be talking out of school, but I was DMing Chris when I got the football team, and I was, like, looking at the, the spreadsheets, and I, I was looking at your roster, and he still had Stafford on the Lions. I'm like, are you doing that intentionally to – throw salt in the wound or <laughs> he's like no that was just an oversight yeah yeah it happens uh but yeah really big really big fan of mike evans jones is eh. he's not bad um and then outside of that i think it what trent taylor is over a receiver i think uh, <laughs> i think if uh, if, Jam if jameson crowder moves on from the jets that would be that would be an upgrade i yeah. think and you get chark back which will be nice yeah but melvin gordon is all right if, if denver brings him back that kind of sucks for him and javante they'll both be good yeah. but it would they could both be better if they were yeah. on different teams and I, then, yeah, ideally ideally they move on from melvin make javante the feature back and then javante and russ just open things up you know yeah and then uh, hopefully henry's healthy yeah the kenny and drake contract is a bit more onerous than i thought because he's on oakland now or vegas now excuse me Ooh. Yeah, that's a tough one. I haven't really looked into my whole cap situation, but it doesn't look like 
Well, we haven't done any extensions yet, have we? Football? Yeah, no, not yet. The the, so. uh, the the extension matrix I made is available, but like we we don't have to worry about this like after the real life draft. But the good news for you is that the original owner of this team was pretty inactive. Whams, who took it over, was very inactive. So you haven't really had a lot of meddling with the the roster. Not a lot of trades. Not a lot of. Cuts, have all my picks lot. available. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have like a full slate of picks. You don't really have any cap issues yet. Like you're yeah. you're sitting sitting decently well. The team is all right. It's, it's a playoff team, if yeah. if it's run correctly. But you definitely don't have many like boat anchors there. Although you do have an, a really good tight end as well in Kittle. I'm kind of, I mean, I have Kelsey now, again, but I had uh, made runs for Kittle. Uh, in the preseason and, and fell just short. So it's good to have yeah. him. He had all, some all the, all the like studs on this team are guys who like you drafted to be studs, like Henry Kittle, Evans. Like there's not, I mean, other than Javante Williams, who's probably like my best contract, as long as he gets a starting role, like everybody else that's like good is like real digging into my cap. Like I don't really have the, the value. Yeah. There. Like even Melvin Gordon is three times as much as Javante Williams right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, there's there's a, a couple guys who were a bit boomer bust, but this is a team where if you have a lineup and they all kind of hit, this is a team that could like outscore anybody. Like if you have the game, well, I guess depends on who's the quarterback in Tampa Bay, but if you have one of those Mike Evans eight catches. 150 yards, three touchdowns. If George Kittle catches two touchdowns, Derrick Henry can score 40 points any week. Like you, that adds up real quickly with with some of your high end players. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I think the the quarterbacks they're startable. Like having two startable quarterbacks is there's value in that, but I wouldn't say either is like a surefire like top ten. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they also won't, like, sink you, which I guess kind of is right. saying what you said in just different words. But, like, you probably won't expect either one of them to score, like, under, like, eight points in a week. Yeah, each one's going to get, like, 12 to 15. Mm-hmm. On average. Um, not much to speak of on the uh, the practice squad, though. I guess that is nope. one downside, but... <laughs> No, that's what I was looking at too. I didn't really. There's not a lot of youth on this team. That was like the first thing that that stuck out for me. Yeah, I think Jason, who originally uh, drafted your team, was kind of in the boat of just kind of taking the best players and not necessarily trying to like do like a a win now versus a, a win later. And they end up kind of having a bit of a mix. But yeah, should that's be. That's kind of how I tend to skew in dynasty leagues too. Like there's. There's players who, and I mean, I, I definitely see the value in it too. It's like, I'm going to play and try and get like all the young guys. And then there are people who are just like, I'm going to win now and like forget the future. You know what I mean? But I tend to be somewhere in the middle, leaning more towards, well, I want to win in the next like two or three years and future me will deal with the problems. <laughs> yeah. I think that kind of is something you have to adjust. I mean, you can plan it out before the draft, but I feel like depending on how the draft goes, that's kind of like a ways to go. Like if you're looking at a pick, you're like, well, the best player in the available, the best player available to me is like a running back at the top of his prime right now, which realistically only have like maybe two to four years left. So I kind of have to look, 
can factor that in my window, but, and then you, well, I'm looking at a quarterback now and he's not exactly young. And next thing you know, all these decisions kind of have to influence how you want to build your team. If you want to get the most out of your best assets. Sure. Oh, you do have a David franchise tag in Joku. I know. Which is. No, that's big. Yeah. At only $4 million. Yeah, I've got a bunch of. Oh, I mean, I need Kittle to stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, as as, I as a Joku, P- I have Hayden Hurst, and then half my practice squad is tight ends that don't have a shot. Yeah, yeah. As as a PT, I, I bet that uh, uh, George Kittle kind of gives you some uh, some not so great vibes at times. Yeah, I mean, he's what we call job security. Like you're <laughs> you're always going to have people getting injured. Yep. That's um. That's the I think I made an Arian Foster joke last time. That's players that uh, PT and the training staff get very familiar with. Mm. Uh, what are your uh, expectations for, for this upcoming season then? Well, like I said, I mean, I think this team is constructed to win now. I haven't looked in depth across all the other teams other than Nathan's and mine. Um, we're in basketball season now and, and uh, baseball we were you know I've been making a lot of trades which we'll get to but um, definitely in win now mode but we'll uh, definitely bank on a bunch of career years for Mike Evans outside of Tom Brady and Derrick Henry to stay healthy all season long and you know so there's a lot of uh, injury risk in this team for sure, uh, I can I can speak to that myself. Um, I think you provided us a, a good transition here. We can probably move over uh, to baseball. I think we cover football decently well for being the off season. There's not really a whole lot going on. I don't remember where your draft pick is, but I think I think your team missed the playoffs. Mm, no, no, they snuck. No, no, your team actually finished decently high. I think because I beat Whams in the first round. Yeah. Okay, that's what happened. I was trying to remember who I beat, and it was, it was Whams. So you do have a a non lottery pick, which won't be nice, but could be worse. Yeah, not not going to help my youth problem <laughs> for sure. However, Reed uh, might end up uh, working your way into another youth problem. Uh, would be baseball, where you've uh, traded away a lot of prospects for. Uh, yes, I have. So, I think it might be easier to just start with the first move, and then work our way down through the other ones. Sure. And that'll be you acquiring your uh, your hometown guy, Aaron Nola, and a lot of cash in exchange for my uh, poor heart and George Kirby and Anthony Volpe. Yeah, this was this was in part a Philly move, but more so a pitching move. Um, I think this happened after we did our extensions, or it was like around the time where we were doing extensions. Yeah, which technically and still haven't been finalized yet because the owners and the players' association can't agree. But that's true. That's true. But I was keeping the likes of Stephen Matz and Marco Gonzalez and Taiwan Walker. My ace is a almost 40-year-old coming off Tommy John. And then I also have Jack Flaherty and Devin, uh, Denelson Lamette. So I, I needed an ace. And Keith 
was doing the Keefe special and covering the contract, which was the only reason this trade happened because I've got a very tight cap situation on my hands. So um, I think it was a win for both Keefe and I, um, and probably a loss for you because I don't think you're going to get Kirby. Yeah, I kind of went into detail on that on, I think it was the last pot with Ping because I'm pretty sure Kirby got brought up. Yeah. And then I kind of went on my my minute spiel about my <laughs> uh, inability to to land him over over um, four different owners now. But I, w- I will say this though: who reached out to him, or who reached out to you about him first, Kiefer? I believe you did. Oh, I believe it man. was you. That makes me feel even worse. Like I, I had the the point yeah. of first contact <laughs> and still couldn't get the deal done. <laughs> Which is, yeah, Keith, I mean, every time I've taken over a roster, Keith is one of the first ones to be like, hey, this is this is uh, who I'm interested in on your team. Just let me know if you want to make a deal. But, uh, yeah, I think I think you beat him to the punch on Kirby. But ultimately, he, he was offering a free Aaron Nola for the next couple of years, and it was, it was too good to turn down. Well, he did give up. A fair amount of uh, prospect value there. I didn't. I guess I didn't realize like how high Volpe had gone over the offseason. He, He's yeah. done some. And some just recently, price. I was looking at a prospect list, and he actually jumped Brendan Davis, who has been getting a lot of interest as well. So we'll uh, see what happens there. But yeah, I, I, before before we got on, I was looking at all the prospects I've traded away, and it's almost ten. <laughs> almost 10 prospects that I've traded away. Yeah. I've gotten back Jazz Chisholm and I've gotten back um, like a 17-year-old shortstop for the Cubs. But yeah, it's, uh, I didn't realize, you know, the, the um, summation of all the trades that I made. <laughs> How many prospects yeah. I traded away. And I'm only going to ask this because of the Phillies connection here, but speaking of Brennan Davis, you acquired your team, rather, acquired him when Dylan was out, the uh, the manager from me, along with Austin Martin for Joe Musgrove at a really good price, who I extended for really cheap still, and Reese Hoskins. So how, how does that make you feel that the team had Hoskins and no longer does? Are, are you content I, with Davis and uh, Austin Martin? I'm okay with, with that. I, uh, I mean, Hoskins is, is good, but my first baseman's Vlad Guerrero. So, I mean, I think I'm okay there. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I've had Hoskins in a couple other seasons before, and he's okay. But he's he's very streaky, which which is not ideal for, for a dynasty format. Yeah. He really lit it up for, like, those two games in between, coming back from injury and then just deciding, okay, I need the surgery, though. I think yeah. he had, like, three <laughs> homers and, like, Six at bats or something. Yeah. And then, it's just pretty nuts. Yeah. And then also, uh, another uh, Phillies player that you're a former owner had and traded to me. I think I mentioned this last time, but I'll never pass up the opportunity to remind you that Bryce Harper was originally on your team. So, sucks to suck. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the other move that you kind of mentioned was your trade with Barry. Uh, swapping J2 shortstops from the, not the most recent class, but the class before them. Uh, you getting Christian Hernandez and trading away Carlos Colmenares. What do you, how do you feel about uh, about that? Do you have strong feelings about either one or was it just a kind of, eh, whatever trade? 
No, it was it was more of a, the latter. I mean, I like Hernandez, but he's obviously not going to be my future for a while. Um, it was my first ever trade with Barry, so I kind of wanted to feel him out and see what happened there. But he approached me about about Clemenares, and we uh, were just like, you know what, you just want to do like a straight up like shortstop for shortstop, and, and that's what we ended up doing. Apparently, I got the future A Rod, which I had the, the former future A Rod in. Carlos Correa. Yeah. But if he turns into Carlos Correa, I, I, I like it. You know what I mean? Without the scandals, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll learn. I mean, you've obviously noticed that Keith is a very trade happy person. Very in a way too, although for whatever reason I've had more luck with him. Uh, we've made one trade and it was because he approached me. Every single time I've approached him, I've been shot down. Well, I guess we'll We'll, we'll see about that as, as things play out and as, as players develop and, and perform. But I thought it was, you know, worthy to note that you come in and just like like that, you make a trade with Barry. But I've been here pretty much since the beginning, and we've made one deal across all four it, sports. It, it was, to be honest, it wasn't something that I put a lot of thought into. I'm like, both of these guys are in their teens, and they're both shortstops. Who knows what's going to happen? Yep. It wasn't something that I was like – Laid up overnight, thinking, you know, what, what, you know, am I going to make this trade or not? It was just like, yeah, let's do it. It's fine. The only trade that I've initiated so far has been Mookie Betts with Ping. Yep, and we can go to that one next. Uh, that one was just I, w- I wanted to go get my guy. I, I've had him since he was called up from the the Red Sox in the in our in our, my other league with Nathan and Nut. I've had him for like six or seven years, and he's just. He's my guy, and uh, I like Teoscar Hernandez. So, getting the salary cap back to even out the salaries, I like that. And uh, it was more of a, how do we both make each other happy? And I get my guy in Mookie, and I help bolster Ping's uh, prospect system. I'd say you more helped start it because <laughs> Ping didn't really <laughs> inherit a whole lot. He was obviously able to acquire Julio Rodriguez, but. Outside of that, it was a whole bunch, whole bunch of uh, like fillers. So, like honestly, I think Ping was saying this. I think you just gave him his second, third, fourth, and fifth best prospects in the same deal. In like in none of them are like a starting outfielder in, in Teoscar too. Yeah, he's he's no slouch either. So yeah, he had a really good year. There was, I think I I explained this to you the last time you were on, but the first year of baseball was the COVID year, so we didn't do any like waiver claims or anything. <laughs> which led to a pretty big free agency class because guys like Corbin Burns and Dominic Smith and Teoscar Hernandez weren't like picked up when they were playing really well in that uh, short season. And a lot of those outfielder contracts did not age well. Ian Happ, Dom Smith, I think Anthony Santander played all right, but Teoscar was one of them. And Teoscar is about the only one who really uh, lived up to the, uh, the hefty contract that he received in this league. Yeah, that was the thing is I needed – um, I didn't really shed salary with that because it was more of a lateral move salary-wise, but I just I believe in Mookie more um, long-term yeah. this year. And uh, to get him with the salary coming back the same price as, as Teoscar, who I'm not as high on, that was, that was again, more of a uh, next one to three years type move. How do you, how do you feel about his uh, last season? 
do are you worried at all or do you think he's going to kind of bounce back to like mvp-ish levels i think he had enough time to rest towards the end of the offseason which same goes for trout um and then this uh issue with the league going on right now with not having spring training games i think she's giving him more time to rest from the hip injury um so i think he'll come back maybe not 100 percent of what he was but definitely uh definitely believe in more what he can do than what he showed last year. And then I honestly can't say I'm a huge fan of like any of the prospects you gave up. Well, I guess Valera is ranked pretty highly, but that may be a result of me just not really being as in tune with the, the J2 market where a lot of these guys came from. Yeah. Like a lot of these guys are just like so far out and there's so many things that can happen to them in their development that I don't really right. focus as much on them, perhaps as the the high school or the uh, the college draftees. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they're they're in the mid range right now, all prospect wise. Like they could obviously go either way. Um, but you're right. I don't feel like I gave up like a a top prospect like Volpe for this in this deal. Yep. And if and if Betts can uh, can perform at a an all well, even let's say like an all star level because MVP is pretty high high level. That's like Bryce Harper yeah. levels here, and I, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, I'll, I'll take another MVP year from Harper for yeah. for giving him out. I'll take. I have him under contract for three more years, for four, four more years. Or, yeah, yeah, that's right, four more years. They're twenty-five. Yeah, because we had five-year contracts, and the twenty-twenty season didn't count for our contract. So twenty-one, twenty-two. Yeah. Yep, I, I can do math in my head. We're good. Um, yeah, and if, if Betts can can be an all star again, that'll be uh, a help for you there. Uh, what are your? Well, I guess we do have one last trade we can talk about before we go more of a, a macro view of the team. But you did bring back Jazz Chisholm in exchange for a first, a second, and then Gabriel Moreno, who I think is perhaps maybe higher ranked because of the the catcher uh, position. Yeah. But... Yeah. The um, the this trade was feel like a long time coming to with, with Keith, but um, when you take over a team that has all these picks, you kind of treat them as like free money because I, I wasn't there to acquire the picks. Like I only know what players I have like as I'm taking over the roster. So um, Dylan left me with a bunch of picks for this year and next year. So I was able to use some of those in addition to um, instead of giving up even more prospects for, for Jazz. And that was that was a big move for me because, like I said at the top, with, with baseball, my cap situation is tight. So getting him a half a mil is very helpful. For sure. And, and Dylan did kind of go a bit hog wild at free agency, although I, did, I do think he kind of shed some of those contracts for you before that. But definitely a lot of... A lot of talent uh, leaving your prospect system. And whenever Pink does his next rankings, I'd imagine you probably fall uh, at, at least one, one rank, maybe two, yeah. depending on on how how much your depth was affected, according to him. Although of his yeah. top five, you still have four of them, which is nice. It's true. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you did the podcast or the prospect rankings a month earlier, I'd probably have more with both of you. Kirby, so it was all timing. Well, I, I let's be honest here. You were third, and we were behind Keith and I. I don't think that would have changed. 
like I haven't really made many prospect moves yet, so I don't I don't think uh or I shouldn't say yet, but like this off season. So I, I still feel pretty comfortable in my ability to be ahead uh, of you there, hopefully. I think what happened was I heard that I was third overall in prospect rankings and my brain, I'm like, that's too high. I need to make some moves. Yeah. So let's let's make some more trades for the next couple of years. All right, and then because obviously the uh Toki trade happened within hours after that podcast was released. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like the releasing the 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 prospect ranks was like a big green flag for everything. Okay, let's get the prospect trades in now. Let's let's get the movement. Yeah. In. All, all all the excitement from the rankings. It drew it, it drew attention to everybody's situation. Yep. Just good for the league. All right. And uh what do you after all those moves, what are you thinking about your team uh, going forward after the, on the major league side here? How do you think you're going to perform this year? I think of my three teams, this is the one that has the best balance of win now and in the future. Um, I've got a bunch of bats in the outfield that should help carry my hitting categories. I've got Kyle Tucker at $6 million. Um, Marcus Semyon at five and a half. We'll see what he does in Texas. Um, I think the biggest thing is going to be making a couple more moves for pitching. Um, but I think this might not be surefire playoff team, but I'm definitely going to be in contention for a playoff spot. Yeah, some de- some definite question marks on the pitching, but mainly Verlander and Flaherty. Yeah. Um, well, I guess some of the other guys too, but you, you want to talk about like your bigger names and your bigger salaries. Definitely those two, but as you kind of mentioned, the offense is pretty solid. Wilson Contreras at five million is is pretty good. Uh, Vlad for long term, whatever the price is, is good. Uh, Brandon Lau is probably a bit of a steal there at three and a half million. Yeah. Who was in the Harper trade? I should should mention this. This isn't me trying to like bring up Harper as much as I can, kind of. But trading Lau definitely is is at least a good asset uh, for for you now, even with the the result. But oh, you do have a walleye legend, Cole Calhoun, too. One of the uh, original players I inherited. Yeah, Cole Calhoun is probably like my seventh best outfielder, and that's including Brendan Davis. So, <laughs> oh, but you only have five on your active rosters. That's yeah, it's, it's pretty harsh criticism there. But no, I'm I'm comfortable with my outfield. That's the the thing that I can kind of set and forget. Um, middle infield now, I like with uh, Correa, Simeon, Jazz, and Lau. Um, but yeah, like I said, we'll see. We'll see what happens with pitching. It might be better for me to think of instead of a free Aaron Nola for the next couple of years, just Justin Verlander for four million. Yeah, <laughs> might be a better way to rationalize that fourteen million dollar contract. Yeah, definitely not the uh, not the worst way to uh, to think of that. Uh, yeah, definitely, as you kind of mentioned there, the pitching is kind of shallow beyond those guys, especially. Uh, you do have Devin Williams, which is nice, but at $5 million for a reliever is perhaps a bit steep. Um, yeah, for the next couple of years, too. Yeah. But that was the thing that I saw when I when I first took over. Like I, I took this team over as baseball extensions were happening, and... I'm glad I, I made the moves that I made because initially I was going to keep Adolis Garcia at $6 million And if I had done that, that would have been putting an even steeper uh, 
putting me in an even more precarious cap situation. Yeah. Like so I tried to find like the cheap quality, like fourth and fifth starters to kind of fill out the back end of my rotation and hopefully I can get like another trade or two. Yep. And uh, shed some salary. You know, with some teams having not uh, necessarily finalized their extensions, there is still a possibility that you could move uh, Garcia here. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's at 6 million. Maybe, maybe I could talk myself into it. Like not me personally. I'm trying to think more from like a, a neutral perspective, like perhaps talk yourself into that. And I know there is at least one person in the league who really likes him. Um, perhaps we, Maybe is there something there? Maybe not. But yeah. I've I've sent a couple uh, feelers out, but I haven't gotten any bites yet. But we'll uh, we'll see if if there is ever a deal done with the MLB. Um, we'll see where where that lands. Yeah, I'm, and I hope so. Like I I really like hockey's my favorite sport, but like baseball might be my favorite fantasy sport. I just really enjoy yeah. getting nerdy with this. Yeah. This is, um, yeah, baseball is, baseball is top for me too. I, I took over basketball kind of like a whim, like Chris, when I was getting the, the baseball and the basketball teams, like initially it was just, Hey, do you want a baseball team? I was like, yeah, sure. And then the next day it's like, here's the link for the baseball team and you can have basketball too, if you want it. And it was more of just like off the cuff, like, yeah, sure. I'll take basketball. But baseball is my, my number one fantasy. I mean, I, have the most experience with it been doing it the longest um and i got a couple guys on this team that i've had for a while on my other teams with trout and mookie and correa so definitely some familiarity there yeah and to kind of piggyback off what you said i think that's part of the reason why i don't really enjoy doing multiple leagues uh like not not only because it can with the amount of effort I put into it, it's a lot to a lot to think of for multiple teams. If I were to try to make an equivalent amount of effort in this league and other leagues, but also like I I get so tunnel vision on on certain players that it would just bug me to have different players on different teams in the intersection you go against of them in one league and you have yeah. them in the other. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But hey, it's, it's a solid team, and there's going to be probably a, a playoff spot or two up for grabs. I think there's at least, uh, I'd say, two teams, I think, for sure locked in. Uh, Nathan is a, a should be pretty comfortably in. Uh, Nutt has made a lot of moves to make his team better now. Uh, I was yeah, in a playoff. Yeah, he just got fever, didn't he? Wait, what? He just got Shane Bieber, didn't he? Did or, I? Uh, Julio. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I, I that was older than I thought. Like I, I thought you were talking about like recently. Like did I did I miss something uh, while we're doing no. this? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. That was was a little while ago. No, yeah, but yeah. He added that uh, he added Juan Soto. Um, mm-hmm. Added. I think Robbie Ray was in the same Julio trade, as was Zach Plesac. But Zach Plesac is on ten million dollars for four more years. So yeah. He also got stuck with the James Karen chat contract. <laughs> that's sorry, not that's pretty brutal. Uh, the dude went from six, uh, sticky stuff to no sticky stuff. Went from major leagues to AAA, and it's bad. Uh, but yeah, he's probably going to be a strong playoff contender. 
uh, myself and Chris were in there and Spencer, that would be Ping was the other playoff team. So we'll see. We'll see what because Ping was obviously the one who traded for Julio. So he he lost Shane Bieber and Robbie Ray. So I guess we'll see how how that affects his team. But there it is some yeah. uh, some some openings there. It's, it's kind of wide open from like the the th- like the four seed ish, maybe the three seed down to like the eight seed in our league. So it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should be a good year if we have one. All right. Well, we've pretty much gone over. Uh, everything that's happened new since uh, we last talked. Do you have anything uh, left for me here before we before we uh, hang up here? No, I think we're good. Thanks for having me on. All right, yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming back. I am glad you uh, enjoyed this enough to be willing to come back a second time. And uh, as as things go on, I'm sure we'll have more to talk about uh, down the line, especially you know if you depending on how playoffs go or whatever for some teams. Try to, I'll try to get like champions on and whatnot, but. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be be more some things to talk about here in the in the future for sure. But thank you very much for uh, for coming on, and then uh, have a, a great rest of your night. So thank you for almost an hour of your time again. No problem. Have a good night. All right, you too. Bye. Yeah. All right, and after that uh, interview, thanks again to Mike for coming on. Uh, let's go right into. Uh, well, we'll get to the trades here in a second, but uh, for baseball, still in the movement, you know, hopefully soon. Uh, but for these trades, obviously we had two of them, which involved Mike, that we uh, previously talked about in the interview. So I think I can skip over uh, Mookie Betts and Cash for Teoscar Hernandez, Georgia Valera, Leover Preguero, uh, Ezekiel Tovar. That's his name. And then D.L. Hall. And the other trade being Jazz Chisholm for Gabriel Moreno, a first and a second. And we can go right to uh, basketball here. Right up at the trade deadline, we had a lot of uh, a lot of haymakers being thrown by these contenders here at the trade deadline, including um, blockbusters like Evan Fournier to Josh for a third-round pick and a second-round pick. Evan Fournier, a, uh, an, an inaugural walleye player, but uh, Josh gets some bench scoring, uh, decent three-point shooter. And a guy whose last name you don't want to Google. Uh, the other uh, blockbuster was P.J. Washington headed back to Keefe in exchange for uh, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Thomas Bryant, a third-round pick, and a boatload of money. Like, we're at the point here where I'm not sure how Keefe, between baseball and basketball, actually has enough cap space to keep giving money to people because, like, I'm pretty sure 75% of every single contract in those two leagues is funded completely by Keefe at this point. It's a lot of money that he's dishing out, but it's fun to see because it's, it's another asset that uh, isn't really uh, weaponized all that much. And the, uh, the last trade was uh, Dougie Hamilton, Jamie Alexiak, and Cole Perfetti going Ping's way in exchange for Patrice Bergeron, Ryan Pulak, and Essa Lindell going back my way. And uh, big hockey trade, relatively speaking, I think. I mean, Dougie Hamilton was all DSAC team last year. Uh, Cole Perfetti is a pretty decent prospect. Really good prospect, in fact. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, 
possibly going to be all DSAC team this year. Um, but in general, I made the move because I wasn't all too confident in my defense scoring as a whole. So I don't think Dougie Hamilton's defense scoring will hurt me that much. Um, get to move that production to a forward spot where I'm getting a, a, a massive boost in faceoff wins uh, with Bergeron. He shoots the puck a lot. Uh, he's on the power play and the penalty kill. Both units are still pretty good for Boston, so I'm hoping to cash in on some special teams points there. And then between Ryan Pulak and Nessa Lindell, I'm hoping for a bit more well-rounded uh, defense there, more hits, more blocks, maybe an extra shot or two when you combine their two uh performances versus Dougie Hamilton on his own. So hopefully this will give me a bit of a boost here in the faceoffs, as I mentioned, and then the uh, the hits and blocks because going into matches up against uh, Chris and then Alex potentially in the playoffs, those are some really stacked teams, and I got to – it's going to be a rock fight. I got to bring everything that I can, and hopefully – if I can't outscore them, I can sneak enough of the uh, the, the non-scoring categories. Um, that's that's trades for the week. Basketball trade deadline obviously passed. So from here on out, it's pretty much just uh, hockey trades and then the occasional baseball trade while we're waiting for the season to start. And then perhaps uh, football as well, if there's you know a trade here or there, as we're technically in the offseason now and trades are open again. All right, for this next segment, I'm going to uh, shamelessly uh, rip off Alex here. And in fact, I'm going to plagiarize him because he was kind enough to give us some playoff breakdowns in uh, the race for various seedings between the two sports. And because it was buried in the chat, perhaps, I want to... Well, not buried because there's six likes on, on all of these, but I want to amplify this and also it gives me an excuse to have more content for the podcast. So... The first one that he mentioned was the basketball two-seed. Uh, Barry has a one-game lead on Josh. Barry plays Mike and Tom. Josh plays Nathan and Paolo. Uh, it's going to be pretty close. Uh, both schedules are not too bad. Barry's perhaps a bit more uh, no more difficult. So Josh will have the, the softer schedule to try to gain just, just one game. Just one. We'll see if he can do it. Uh, the basketball five and six seeds. Now, this is something that I kind of talked about with uh, with Mike here, but Murph is in fifth, Mike is in sixth, I am in seventh, and Nut is in eighth. Mike is a game and a half back of Murph. I am four games back of Murph, and Nut is six and a half games back of Murph. So Murph plays Tom and Alex. Bit of an easier matchup. And then Alex, which is going to be a, a, a rough one. Uh, we've got Barry and Keith for Mike. Another tough matchup to start with. And then Keith, a bit of a softer landing spot. I have Ping and Sean, which is easily the uh, the easiest schedule of the four. And then Nut finishes with Alex and Chris. That's, uh, that's a rough one. Sorry, Nut. It's going to be a, a Herculean effort to, uh, to claw back enough games uh, against those two. But I'm rooting for you. It'd be hilarious if you and I got in. Uh, the race for the hockey two-seed. As I am five and a half games back, or five and a half games up, rather, on Chris. A uh, few weeks left, but not feeling all that optimistic, especially since Chris jogged me out of two and a half categories. This should easily, right now, be a uh, an eight-game cushion, which I would feel more comfortable about. But, you know, 
Chris just clicking all over the place. Uh, cost me two and a half games in the standings. So we'll see how that goes. Chris, if you're listening, if you finish ahead of me by less than two and a half games, believe me, I'm going to be uh, clamoring for you to uh, to make right your mistake. Uh, not not a good start for me. Uh, currently, as we're speaking here, Kevin's really putting it to me, but it's still only Tuesday, so I'm hoping that it'll uh, it'll even out. I can come out ahead in this matchup and hopefully not lose too much ground because I will have to play Chris next week, I believe. So that'll be a pivotal matchup in deciding how the seating will go. Uh, and the other last one was the uh, the hockey uh, four seed here. Jared is the incumbent. Ping is only seven and a half games back, but we've got, I think, four weeks left now, maybe five, including this one. So he's got a, uh, a, a lot of time. He only has to average like two games a week. And with how, how good Dylan's team was, as long as Ping's setting a lineup, he can uh, he can make that up. So we'll have to have to see how that goes. Although, as I mentioned this now, uh, the hockey ones only have three likes, but the basketball ones have six likes. So you guys just don't do the uh, don't do the hockey content now, do you? And speaking of, I guess we can start with hockey since you guys don't really care for it all that much in uh, regards to your uh, your feedback and your uh, engagement on Alex's hockey content. Uh, we can start here with the first matchup of the week being Ping taking down Kevin 8-4. Ping gets four goals, three assists from Kirill Kaprizov. I believe... Actually, no, never mind. Uh, three goals and an assist with three special teams points and 16 hits for Tom Wilson. Two goals, three assists, three special teams points for Victor Hedman. And then lastly, in his farewell, two goals, two assists, and 37 face-offs for Patrice Bergeron. Meanwhile, Kevin got a goal and three assists from Line A. Two goals, three assists from Jack Hughes. Three goals, two assists from Dylan Strom. Goal and four assists from Matthew Kachuk. Two goals and four assists from Johnny Gaudreau. And three goals, five assists from Nick Schmaltz, who is very pissed that Barry left him off his uh, five stars. Spoiler alert. Uh, Nathan takes down Barry 11-1 to in a thrashing from a, uh, a pretty mid-team in Nathan. So I think that shows the state of Barry's team at the moment. Goal and three assists, three special teams points for Jakob Voracek. Three assists each for Charlie McAvoy, William Carlson, and Joel Farabee. On Barry's side, two goals, three assists for Clayton Keller. Goal and three assists, three special teams points for Cole Caulfield. Three goals, two assists, ten shots, eleven hits, seven blocks for Mikhail Sergachev stuffing the sheet. Four goals, or sorry, rather, four assists, 13 shots for Kale McCarr. Goal and three assists, 25 face-offs, 17 shots for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Chris taking down Tom, 8-4, with four assists from Thomas Shabbat. Three goals and assist, 13 face shots. Ten hits for Evander Kane. Two goals, three assists for Mount Japani. Four goals and an assist for Chris Kreider. Seven goals, including back-to-back hat-tricks. 18 shots on goal for Jason Robertson. Two goals, three assists for Patrick Kane. Four goals, two assists for Elias Lindholm. Four assists, 33 faceoffs, 13 shots for Nazem Kadri. Five assists, four special teams points for John Carlson. On Tom's side, goal and three assists each for Troy Terry and Taylor Hall. Three goals and an assist, three special teams points for Paul Stastny. Three goals, three assists for Jonathan Marcheseau. Goal and four assists for Kevin Fiala. 
four goals for Matt Duchesne, four goals and an assist for Jake DeBrusque, two goals, three assists for Mike Hoffman, two goals, five assists, and five special teams points for Nick Suzuki. Jared beat Josh 6-5-1 in a close call. Two goals, three assists, and 34 face-offs for Leon Dreisaitl. Goal and three assists for Ghost Bear. Two goals, three assists, 40 face-offs for Nico Hishier. Two goals, four assists for Braden Point. Three goals, three assists, 15 shots on goal for David Pasternak. Three goals and an assist for Alex Debrinkit. On Josh's side, goal and three assists with five shots, nine hits, eight blocks as Jacob Truba continues to do it all after leaving the walleye. Goal and four assists for Artemi Panarin. Goal and three assists for Kyle Connor and Andrew Kopp, who added four special teams points that Connor did not. And then five assists for Adam Fox. And lastly, Alex beat me 7-4-1 to to one in a pretty close call. This would have been a 6-6 six six matchup had uh, ESPN not been dumb and allowed you to uh, activate players off IR after the first game starts, so long as their game has not started and you have players to drop whose games have also not started. But who's who's really all that upset about this, right? Clearly not me. Uh, goal and three assists for Connor McDavid, Jamie Benn, and John Tavares. Two goals, two assists for Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby. Six assists for Roman Yossi and an absolutely ridiculous three wins, 106 saves, 1.67.955 for Igor Shosturkin. He He's my heart trophy winner at this point, I think. I think he's the most valuable player in the league with how he's playing. On my side, four assists for Brad Marchand. Goal, two assists, 35 face-offs, 13 shots, and three special teams points for Sebastian Ajo. Two goals, three assists, and four special teams points for Ovechkin. Four assists for Bo Horvat. Looking at the uh, the category winners of the week. 36 goals for Chris. 44 assists for Chris. 310 face-offs for Alex. 246 shots for Chris. 132 hits for Chris. 73 blocks for Chris. 19 defense points for me and Barry. 23 special teams points for Alex and me. Wins, 6 for Alex. Saves, 219 for Ping. A 1.725 goals against average for Alex and a 9464 save percentage. Also for Alex, with the by far the best goaltending performance of the week. Nobody was even close to him. Five stars, offense. Jason Robertson for Chris. Kirill Kaprizov for Ping. David Pasternak for Jared. Mikhail Sergachev for Barry. Victor Hedman for Ping. Three goalies, Igor Shosturkin for Alex, Jeremy Swayman for Nathan, and Vitek Vanishek for Josh. Taking a look at these standings now, Alex is 32 and a half games clear of me. Chris is uh, six games back of me. So Alex's math was wrong there. I don't know how he messed that up. But his uh, playoff uh, preview that I plagiarized was incorrect. Fourth place is Jared at 56 games back. Uh, Ping is seven and a half games back of him, so that's that's correct for Alex. Nathan in sixth, Tom in seventh, Kevin in eighth, who's having a just ridiculous performance through Tuesday. Like, seriously, this dude's in eighth place, 79 games back, and he's given me his best week of the year. Bullshit. Josh in ninth, 
and Barry comfortably in 10th after flirting with 9th place, and I believe taking over 9th place for a brief period of time. Uh, you know, it's been a minute. Let's do the Roto categories, too, here as we get close. Uh, Chris, Alex, and then me for goals. Uh, Alex, Chris, and then Nathan and me tied for assists. I'm just going to do the top three for each category here. Uh, Faceoff wins Alex, Chris, and Ping. Shots on goal, Chris, Alex, and then me. Hits, Chris, Alex, and then me. Blocks, Alex, Chris, and then me. Defense points, Chris, Barry, and Tom. Special teams points, Alex, Chris, and then Jared. Goaltender wins, uh, Alex, Jared, and or Ping, rather, other Jared. Well, original OG Jared. And then Kevin uh, saves Alex, me, Jared. Goals against Alex, Ping, Nathan. Save percentage, Alex, Nathan, Ping. Taking a look at the matchups this week, we have 8th place, Kevin, 2nd place, Ronnie, 7th place, Tom, and 4th place, Jared, ninth place, Josh, and 10th place, Barry, in the toilet bowl. Well, it's probably not the toilet bowl, but ninth and 10th place, the last two. 3rd uh, place, Chris, and 5th place, Ping, which could hopefully be a good one. 6th uh, place, Nathan, and 1st place, Alex. All right, moving on now to basketball. We have Alex beating Paolo 7-2 in the first matchup. 124-19-15 with 13 threes for Jason Tatum. 111-22-18 with 13 more threes for Chris Middleton. 91-40-12 for Christian Wood. 78-12-32 for D'Angelo Russell. Paolo did get 108-30-12 from LeBron. Then 67, 24, 31, and 13 stocks from Tyrese Halliburton, making the most of his recent call-up. Nutt beating Tom in a close one, 5-4, got 112, 36, and 12, with a 64.1 field goal percentage from Carl Anthony Towns. And Tom got 69, nice, 40, and 17 with 9 stocks for Bam out of bio. Chris took down Nathan, 7-2, behind 56, 52 and 26 from DeMontis Sabonis, contributing to a win for once in his life. Uh, 74, 24, and 25 from DeJounta Murray. 124, 14, and 28 from De'Aaron Fox. Nathan did get 49 and 45 with an 80.8 field goal percentage from Rudy Gobert. Goodness. 98, 24, and 21 from Tyler Hero. 68, 28, and 15 with a 667 field goal percentage from Nikola Jokic, who was my MVP this year, and I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, Murph beating Mike 5-4 in a close one. 112, 34, and 20 with 10 stocks for Pascal Siakam. 137, 19, and 22 with 11 three-pointers for Ja Morant. Mike got 132, 26, and 30 with 12 stocks from Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And then 95, 9, and 27 with 12 threes from Trey Young. Barry, in a close one, edged out Keefe 5 to 4 with 71, 36, and 11 from Joel Embiid. 75, 16, and 21 with 12 three pointers for Terry Rozier. 76, 10, and 33 with 10 threes from Darius Garland. Meanwhile, Keefe did get a standout performance from Time Lord 20 points. May not seem like a lot, but 33 rebounds, 16 stocks, and an 8-1-3 field goal percentage. My goodness, 
if Williams could score more, he'd be uh, he'd be an elite fantasy asset, much to uh, the contrary to what I tried to argue in free agency. <laughs> uh, we had a rare tie between Ping and Sean as uh, both teams' attempts to lose failed. We've got uh, 118 and 21 with a 6.44 field goal percentage from Brandon Ingram, and then a 78 or 70 sorry 75. 8 and 22 line from Donovan Mitchell. Meanwhile, Sean got 0 0 1 with two turnovers and a 0 0 0 field goal percentage from Jared Butler. And then a 9 12 1.118 field goal percentage line from Rooney Gay. And Josh, in the last matchup, whipped me 8 to 1. Pathetic. 107 62 and 22 with 16 stocks from Giannis. 96, 22, and 33 of 15 threes from Drew Holiday. 84, 20, and 16 from Malcolm Brogdon. I got 85, 14, 14 with 13 threes from Steph Curry. Taking a look at the categories for the week. Keith sweeping the shooting percentages with a 5-1-9-1 field goal and a 90-flat free throw. Alex with 102 threes and 285 rebounds. Josh with 202 assists, Alex again with 60 steals, Tom with 34 blocks, Keith with only 42 turnovers, Alex with 885 points, 5 stars of the week, SGA for Mike, Drew Holiday for Josh, Giannis for Josh, Scotty Barnes for Keith, Carl Anthony Towns for Nut. Taking a look at the standings here now, we have Alex 12 games out in front, of Barry, uh, Josh, 13 games back, only one game back of Barry, Chris in fourth, Murph in fifth, Mike in sixth, me in seventh, Nut in eighth, Tom in ninth, Ping in tenth, Keith in eleventh, Nathan in twelfth, Sean of the thirteenth, and Paolo in fourteenth. Taking a look at the scoreboard for the week, we have myself in seventh place, Versus Ping in uh, 10th place. We have Keith in 11th versus Sean in 13th. Barry in 2nd versus Mike in 6th. Josh in 3rd versus Nathan in 12th. Uh, Murph in 5th versus Tom in 9th. Chris in 4th versus Paolo in 14th. Uh, Nut in 8th versus Alex in 1st. And since I did the uh, the roto categories for um, hockey, I might as well do them while I'm here in basketball too. Same deal. Top three teams in each category. Field goal percentage, Mike, Chris, Tom. Free throws, Alex, Mike, Barry. Three-pointers, Alex, Ronnie, Ping. Rebounds, Alex, Ronnie, Chris. Assists, Josh, Alex, Chris. Uh, steals, Alex, Josh, Chris. Blocks, Alex, Josh, Barry. Turnovers, Tom, Sean, Nathan. Points, Alex, Josh, and Chris. All right, and I believe that covers everything for the week. We had a great interview with Mike for the first time in a little bit. We've had an interview. Uh, we had some, some fun basketball and hockey to recap. Had a few trades, and you know, a little bit of everything uh, this week here. So... That'll be all for this episode. Thank you very much for listening, and I will catch you all next time.